Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, we want to welcome you to our Vision Sunday. This is kind of a new day for us. We're so excited to see how God is going to use today. We want to welcome you here in Auditorium 1, maybe those of you that are joining us in Auditorium 2, and those of you that are joining us online. We're so honored that you are here. Today is a special day because as we've been working through our Life Change Initiative, we've wanted to take time to celebrate what God has done in the life of the church what we've seen him do in the past, what we have watched his power do in the present, and what we believe God is doing with a vision for the future. And so today we're going to be looking at celebrating some of those things. We've got a lot of stories we want to tell you, so you're going to see quite a bit of video today as we celebrate what God is doing, has done in the life of the church. And to kick things off, we're going to take kind of a little, uh, little trip down memory lane. We've mentioned recently that Calvary was founded in 1951. There were five families that said there's too many lost people in Toledo. And they came together and started the the first Sunday in December 1951 on the east side. One of those families was the Keller family. And there have been generations of Kellers a part of the church ever since. Jim Keller is a grandson to one of our uh, founding families and and a good friend. So a couple weeks ago after church on a Sunday, Jim and I hopped in the car and we drove around Toledo and did kind of a tour of the different places, the different homes where Calvary has met over the years. And it was really encouraging and exciting to see God's faithfulness through the years. And we wanted to share some of that with you. So if you would, please turn your attention to the screens. You can flip around the parking Okay, so it's 301, which I think might be this building right here. Right here. Oh, wow. Arrived. And so it was upstairs in that building that they met for the first time. Man. You know, because that paper we looked at that had the the very first Sunday's uh, attendance and the very first offering was $7.90. Right, right. But in 51 then, on one of these corners, they... Would have been a building. Uh... Oak and Navarre is where they did the tent. The tent, yeah, okay. Yeah, so through the summer, they had the the Calvary Canvas Cathedral. That rolls off the tongue, oh, doesn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, it does. You know, you think of the struggles that they must have gone through, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, put yourself in their position. Uh, you're, you're a leader, you're trying to lead a body. Mm-hmm. Even though it's maybe a small body, mm-hmm. it's still a core group that's just struggling, trying mm-hmm. to... And I'm, and I'm sure, like, isn't the conversation, hey, Upstairs on fast, it's getting too big. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And somebody goes, we could, we could do a tent. Right. You want to do a tent? Hey, I know a place we can get a tent. I would love to be a part of the conversation where they went, um, pastor, it's starting to get cold in this tent, right? <laughs> or, and, boy, it's really hot. Well, here. that one too. Yeah. I wonder if it's this building right here. It says it was seven, seven stories. Yeah, because it said it was, yeah, Pythian Castle. Oh it says gosh, it right on the that. top look of that. 1890. I mean, my guess is this was a pretty cool place for them to be. Probably was. At least it, it maybe kept the elements away. It mm-hmm. might not have been super comfortable. I, who knows? Yeah. But then led led them to go, all right. Uh, we need to buy our own place. We need to buy our own place. So it was Facet Street, Tent, Here and then Oak Street. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All within 
So, two, so three from years. December of 51 to April of 53. Boom. Four places. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. In April of 53, they moved here and they bought this. I think it had been a Baptist church and, and they, if I remember the history I read, they got it way below the asking price. This, this document says they paid $12,500, which- In those days, that would have been like, what? A couple hundred thousand now? Be a stretch, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. But what's interesting, I mean, at least to me, boom, you buy, you buy the building mm -hmm. on Oak Street, mm -hmm. you're only there a year, two years. Uh, and then they bought the land on Glendale. Boom, yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah. okay, this is only temporary folks. Yeah. And just, that had to be a big move. You wonder what, because that was almost like way on the other side of town. Yeah. I asked Brother Mac once, why, why'd you make the move? And he said, that's where the people were. Oh, he okay. said, he said, I saw the direction the city was going and knew that's where we needed to be. Wow. Man, oh man, this building brings back a lot of memories. Salvation times, altar times, baptism in the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. all the different, you know, you start thinking about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke about a lot of stuff, but there was a lot of serious altar time stuff yeah. in front yeah. of the sanctuary. Like, if you look back, do you think, like, is, is this the spot where you gave your life to Christ? Definitely. Baptized? Yeah. And married here? Married here. Met Linda here. Huh. But but you look back in time, all the steps that were taken, they probably mm -hmm. seemed pretty big at that time. Mm -hmm. They did. They even did some radio shows that I didn't know about. Like early on. Yeah. 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 Which I, I think about that. So you're talking the early 50s. So that had to be a financial commitment, I'm gonna guess, like yeah. to do something like that. And I mean, that was a pretty, a pretty innovative way to, to say, how do we how do we get the word out and reach our community? Well, radio was the really only way to do it. Yeah. At that point. You didn't have a webpage, right? No, and you weren't going on TV. No, uh-uh. <laughs> to go from Oak Street to Glendale to to this South Southwick Glendale. This this in my mind was like probably twenty times bigger. Oh man! You know, look at the amount of land. Yeah. Because they not just own this; they own everything. At Kroger's was all the way to Kroger's huh. Road. Like like I, the church was running kind of close to three hundred mm -hmm. with the move, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to to see that move of faith, I mean, in in large part they had the school in mind, you know, and the opportunities that were there. Um, I think what a lot of people probably wouldn't know is that moved to the building in, in like 84, right? But the money was not available to finish the sanctuary. Correct. So from that awning all the way to the right was unusable. Huh. It was, a, it was just a shell. They went through a lot. Yeah. A lot in this building, a lot of trials. I think a lot of, I would guess, questioning God, hmm. right? Hmm. I mean, when you get to that point of thinking you're gonna to have to close the doors, mm -hmm. wouldn't if you were in leadership, wouldn't you be going, why did you bring us here? Mm -hmm. I remember somebody preaching on Moses taking the children of Israel huh. and how they had yeah. the same yeah. what, 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 what would you bring us down here for? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was that attitude. We were in the, in the gymnasium down at the left end here having services and we ended up having to go to two services and then three services. Wow. And that's when we blew up to about 900 or so people. Yeah. But then when we got enough money, we got ahead of our bills. Yeah. 
and got enough money to, I'll never forget all the work we put into finishing the sanctuary. Did a lot of it ourselves. I can't tell you how many wheelbarrows full of dirt and whatever else we hauled in and out of that place. I remember that as a young man. If it hadn't been for them willing to take a step to buy Oak Street, there never would have been that Glendale. Right. If it hadn't been for that Glendale, there wouldn't be this one. There's no way, you know, the church came together and, um, you know, in, in 2007, we did that Dream Again campaign and raised money together to be able to pay off the mortgage here that it hung over the church's head since the mid 80s. Yep. And it was like, in times, a crippling mortgage. Yeah. I remember we said from the very beginning, we're not doing this just to be debt free. Right. We're doing this so we're positioned for what God wants to do next. Like mm -hmm. God knew and he set us up and there wouldn't have been a Conant Street if there hadn't been this Glendale. It's definitely God's timing. Yes, yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's easy to look back and go, wow, but it's still hard to look forward and go, <laughs> you know, isn't it? Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. Since I remember, and I don't know where you came up with this about the favor train. You know, when you put it that way, it made everybody go, yeah. Oh, we'll do yeah, that. Okay, so if the favor train runs out, mm -hmm. then it must be God shutting the door, yeah. right? So along we went, next thing you know, man, I remember we pulled out a map of the building and said, I feel like God's leading us in this direction. You're, you're leaders in the church. Can you give us your thoughts? And I remember we did a few of those meetings and they were nerve wracking because you didn't know how people were going to respond. And I remember Tom looked at that picture and uh, he, I remember he gave us like this real quizzical look and I thought, here it comes. Yes, exactly. Right. I was like, man. And I remember he just looked at me and was, I don't think it's going to be big enough. And I think this is a testament to both how Calvary's people have always been open to bold moves, but also how the Holy Spirit works and prepares people's hearts. And, and Calvary's people have always been, you know, if God's leading us in that. And Tom, Tom saying, I don't know that that's big enough, was I think in even some ways just kind of prophetic of, right. of if, if you'll take this bold step of faith, God, God's going to help you along the way. Yep, um, and now look at what the next plan is. It wasn't big enough. Lord, oh, mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing. The goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing.
Every time I pull up to this building, it just amazes me when you look at the magnitude of it, especially com coming from looking at the buildings on the east side, just recognizing God's faithfulness. And you know, God put something in people's hearts 69 years ago, mm -hmm. and they, they were willing to take that step of faith and they they saw something, right? They they saw that if, if they would trust God, He would He would lead them to those next things. And you know, you, you can't do it, but it sure would be interesting to be able to sit here with that first group of families who said, "Hey, there's too many lost people in Toledo," and see how their their steps of faith. And then, I mean, every step's been sacrifice and and yeah. bold steps. <clears throat> I gotta believe though that the conversation would go something like. God sure is good. Yeah. What are you thinking of next? I was not in a great place. I was, the job that I had then wasn't conducive to a godly life. I raised my sons in the church because that's what we're supposed to do. I thought I had a relationship by virtue of doing everything I was supposed to do, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I spent most of my adult life not valuing who I was. Um, there was a lot of self-doubt. I was on and off of antidepressants for years. We had a miscarriage. It was super devastating and probably like the worst experience I think I've ever yeah. gone through. That I was a slave to drugs and alcohol. I did whatever it dictated that I do to get the next high. And I became um, someone my family didn't know, someone that I didn't know. We went to church when I was little, but my whole adult life, I didn't have any type of, um, you know, relationship with God or anything else. And Kurt and I have been Christians for a long time, but when we when we came here, we were at a place in a place of brokenness. There was a lot of questioning. I had actually been out of church for. Uh, close to four to five years. Thought I could do my Christian walk alone. And I always thought, tried to be a good person, but you get to a place being a good person is not good enough. Like the whole time I was like doubting where he was, you know, like, okay, Lord, why are you allowing me to walk through this? There was a physical concern in my life at the time that I didn't really pay much regard to. When that confusion is there, the, the devil can somehow in our minds start to tell us, oh, you must be, you know, you're you're disqualified because you're 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 kind of wondering what's really true here and what really isn't. I remember thinking, if this kills me, oh well. 
I don't have significance to my life anyway. I'm not adding value to anyone else's life. So it doesn't matter, I don't care. And I just remember how empty and cold that felt. And that's when I first started to hear some whispers of, what's the point? Why do you continue? You would just be better off if you were dead. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into suggested I just come with her one time and see if it makes a significant difference. And I thought, I'm in so much pain right now, it's not going to hurt me to go to church, to just give it a try. And I was sitting in my recliner one night and yeah, I fell asleep in the recliner and I woke up, there was Pastor Chad. I saw him on TV, it must have been 1, 2 a.m. I didn't know who he was, he was talking and I said, I'm gonna go and visit Calvary. Like, and he's like, well, can we just please try Calvary? Like, for some reason, I just wanna try it. And I was just like, all right, fine, we'll just try it. As soon as I walked in the front door for the first time here, and the hair on my neck stood up, and my heart fell into my stomach, and I was like, what is that feeling? People, they looked me in the eye when they said hi. Welcome to Calvary. Even though, like, I was kind of nervous how big of a church it was, um, but like when you walk through those doors and like everybody greets you, you know, you just, it feels like home. The worship started and we just, we both cried the entire time. You could just feel from the moment that we walked into the auditorium that like it was just, different. Yeah. It was overwhelming me, really God touching me and, and letting me know I was where he wanted me to be. It was like God was just pouring water over this dry body. We needed to find a place where the importance of the word, the importance of taking the word for what it really says, 
I, there was just something that kept drawing me back to not necessarily um, the building, but the people. And I just remember praying to Jesus for the first time ever, just give me the strength that I need to get through this and I will be okay. <laughs> and that's really when things started to slowly get better. And the more I came, the more my heart started feeling lighter and happier. Something like I wanted that relationship. And I knew that here I could find that relationship. It was what I have always been looking for. That's what made the difference was the relationship with Jesus, the actual one-on-one -on -one relationship where you know that somebody for sure all the time has you. Who I am now and who I was then, I'm a different person. You would not have known me five years ago. You would have been, that's not Joe. And I remember when I got on my knees for the very first time, October 15, 1988, that the Lord delivered me from a drug and alcohol stronghold. That, that's when the change came. That's when he met me without the relationship I have with God. I would still be empty. And I don't feel so empty. It, it makes me want to go out and share that news with other people and let them know that they too can find that. I went to the Connection Center one day after service and a woman there prayed with me. And I admitted to her, I'm being punished. God is punishing me because I sinned and the punishment fits the crime. And she looked right at me with all of the confidence in the world and said, Nellie, God's not mad at you. He forgave you a long time ago. And that just blew my mind. It's like this cloud of doom that I lived with for decades has been lifted by having a relationship with Jesus.
Jesus, that you are our living hope, that you are the one who sets us free and changes our lives. God, that as we look to the past, we know you are the same yesterday and today and forever, that our hope in the past is in your faithfulness. We put our trust in your power today and know that you are with us every day of our lives. God, thank you for stories of hope and how you change us, how you work in our lives. God, we celebrate your good work here in this church. Father, we thank you. We worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. One more time, let's give the Lord praise today. Awesome. Well, you can be seated. Today is a vision Sunday. We, we want to be able to take a look and see what we believe God is doing in the future. But I found that I'm inspired for the future when I take a look at the past and see his faithfulness. Anybody else? Just know I can trust him. And we, we want to continue to do that today. Um, we're going to invite the ushers to come at this time for our, our time of worshiping God through our giving. Thanks for your faithfulness in giving because through that, God is able to use those resources, impact people's lives. In these next few moments as we worship him through, through our faithfulness in giving, we want to give you a recap of, of things that God did in the last year here at Calvary. We celebrate those different things. You know, we, we find ourselves in different parts of the church and then we don't necessarily maybe see the big picture of how God is using using Calvary to impact people's lives. So over these next few moments, we want you to hear from some of our team. We want you to hear some stories of how just in the last year, God used Calvary to make a difference, to bring life change. And all of that is possible because God works through you and your obedience, your faithfulness in giving to the church. And so we want to say thank you for that today. Let's pray. Father, as we give back to you today, we do it as an act of worship. God, our tithes and offerings are things that we know you, you have given to us. And then, God, they're things that you use not only to bless us, but to move your kingdom forward so that people can know hope in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we give today, we ask that you would bless these things. Lord, would you use them to build and to further your kingdom? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you ask yourself, what, what breaks our heart as a church? is that there's too many lost people. There's too many people who haven't found the peace and the hope and the joy that can only come through Jesus Christ. This year for Serve Week, we wanted to spend this summer really loving our own community and loving Mommy. Serve Week is really awesome. As long as I'm alive and able, I'll be participating in some way, shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> there's so many people out there that are lost, that maybe nobody's been nice to today, or nobody's thought about, or even looked at. And I want to be that person to reach out that hand and say, I see you. And then we ended Serve Week with uh, Church at the Fair. And so we took the whole church and moved it over to the Lucas County Fair. We closed the buildings and we celebrated the things that the Lord had done here in Maumee. That's what the gospel's all about. I mean, it's all, it's not about us. Soaking in, soaking in, soaking in. The, the gospel was meant to be shared. It, it's meant to be passed on. Um, and then our school partnerships have grown. And so we have four schools that we work with. Uh, just seeing new people walk into those buildings from Calvary who are getting to love on teachers and love on staff and love on kids. I do all sorts of stuff for the teacher. I 
I do a lot of laminating for and copying and things like that. But then I also go in once a week with a couple other people from here and we pray through the school. For several years, we have had Christmas in the 419. This year, we launched our very first uh, catalog where you could choose a gift, but we had no idea that we would collect over $34,000 to love the 419 uh, through Christmas and the whole year. Um, we were able to take a check to the pregnancy center for over $7,000, uh, 56 ultrasounds, and 51 pregnancy tests. So in 2019, we provided 969 ultrasounds. The awesome thing about that is we know out of the women who were either contemplating an abortion or were at risk for that decision, 93% of those women made a life-affirming decision. And so your Christmas gift is saving and changing lives. Like, I think it always is opening our eyes to the needs of our community. We, we love the emphasis on missions in this church. I mean, that, that says a lot about, about who we are as a church. We have over 170 missionaries and organizations that we as a church partner with every month. We have a long heritage of people making commitments to give monthly to missions, uh, making commitments to go on mission trips. In 2019, we took five mission trips that traveled to places both here in the States um, and overseas. When I came back from the mission trip, I think I had fire in me like I've never had before. Be being there in South Africa opened my eyes to what else is out there. We are excited because this is what happens when Jesus does the work in people's lives. I always say baptism. This is one of my favorite Sundays. It gives me goosebumps even talking about because you're literally hearing people say, man, I accepted Christ. This is what Christ is doing in my life. And now I want everybody to hear it. And I just, I'm ready to give it all to God. And I'm uh, just the next logical step in my spiritual growth. Um, so I just want to show God how grateful I am and my commitment to him. Some of the, the young children that we see come through there, you can see it in their eyes that these kids have, have understood and have experienced something. And those kids understand. They know why they're being baptized. They know how much they love Jesus. They know how much Jesus loves them. Even when they come in with nerves and things, you watch them get into that tank and it's all washed away. If other people could just see what they see and if other people understood Jesus the way that they understood Jesus, my name is Abigail, and I want to be baptized because Jesus died for our sins. And I want to be baptized because I want to become a pastor. And I want to be baptized because I love Jesus, and I want everyone else to know it. You might not know this, about a year and a half ago, we finished up a renovation down in our, in our kids' area. And as we planned strategically to do that, God brought a financial miracle that covered about half of that. That was a $3.5 million renovation that was paid for in cash with no increased indebtedness and we never took one offering for it. All right, so when we did the renovation process, we opened up four new preschool classrooms, a special needs room and quiet room, as well as a brand new auditorium. It's allowed so much growth. You know, since we, we had this renovation take place and have been blessed with the space that we have had, it's been awesome to see just how students have been coming through our doors. And by no doubt, this is God just continuing to bless our youth group and our church. The crazy part though is that our 10 a.m. service, all of these rooms are completely full. We don't have a single room not in use. What Calvary is doing in my kids' lives, my boys' lives, you can see 
um, their relationship with God and how it's affected in them. Summer class gets planned nine months in advance. There's nothing like watching over 400 kids worship together, uh, over 130 kids raise their hand to say they want to accept Jesus into their heart, uh, knowing that they're the ones that are going to go home and change their families. Everyone back there in the kids department gets so excited and is on fire for what God is doing in these little kids' like hearts. You know, from the very beginning when we not only bought this building but then did the renovations, it was always, hey, let's plan it as if we had a preschool. And yet they sit empty 90% of the time. And the more you pray over them and walk through them, you think, no, there's more we can do. And really, we get to take Calvary to the community. So instead of waiting for the community to come to us, which is a lot of times how it works as a church, and be able to take Calvary out there and to let others come see. So something that's been really cool is our Wednesday night small groups with our youth. We've taken our Wednesday nights and been able to give more focus to our small group elements and helping our adult leaders to have connections with our students. You know, middle school, high school kids, they need that base, they need that someone. Long it took probably time. a year a year of us going on a regular basis for the kids to start opening up and talking to us. And now it's to the point where um, when you walk in, they look at you, you can see them light up. When you walk in, they grab you by the arm and take you out in the hallway. You got a couple minutes we can talk. Right now it's hard to parent. Uh, things are changing. And I think it's always been hard to parent. I think each generation is just different. And the parenting conference is really a day for us to regroup. Uh, get back to ground zero and come together not only as parents, maybe a fellowship, maybe meet other parents, find people who are our kids' ages, but also to learn. Because there's something about learning and just being in a room and saying, you know what, I need help with discipline, or what does it look like for somebody else? And just asking those questions. Really, the, the heart behind this is just to uh, give resources to families. I believe that this conference will give resources and will give more tools in the toolbox of parents. That we hope when they walk out of the doors, they realize what they're called to do and that they're equipped to be able to do that. Part of like our goal has just been to um, let young adults know that like uh, you get to be a part of the church as a whole. It's been cool to see um, certain communities even just kind of establish. It was when I was 19 or 20 that I, um, that God got a hold of me and I found my way to Calvary and uh, I would say those early years of my 20s was a very important foundational time for me. I mean like the community was a huge part of it too. We had people um, that we were with. I just became more of a family than, than anything we, we had before. Everybody was in the same life stage that we were and just felt like a place that we could grow through the presence of people that have been there. It allowed for me to meet so many amazing people here at Calvary that's my age, going through the same same walk that I am, the same you know journey I'm on. You know, like he went, we went from like here to here and then we took that group and then we, now we're like, you know, we feel like we're just growing and we're, everything in our lives is, you know, changing. So 2019, we had a chance to rebirth men's ministry. What's been great at watching that part of it is guys are coming. We have about 80 to 90 guys every month coming out, getting the lesson for that part of it, and then sitting with their group at a table and discussing that. They're praying together. It's been cool to watch a relaunch of men's ministry. But what we really found out, guys do have time. They do need it, and they want it. Registrations just kept coming in and coming in, and we ended up with over 450 ladies that came out to the ladies' conference. 
It was our hope that ladies would come in and leave the burdens and the worries of everyday life and come in and just have two days to be refreshed, be poured into, and to realize their God-given purpose and potential. I've heard many stories of, of not only life change, but connections that have been made. I, I just believe God um, connected ladies together that um, relationships will be built for in, in the years to come. We had unchurched ladies, we had ladies from other churches that were here, and they just were challenged and um, really encouraged by the, the presence of God that was here. I didn't, I didn't know where it would go this year, and it was beyond what we could have planned or imagined. Um, we'll just see what God has in store. I don't, I don't think you ever know why God um, trusts certain things to certain people. I do know that when He put it in our hearts to, to buy the, the Conant Street Mommy 18 Theater and to make this move, it was a bold step of faith that the church, um, I think, could have made or could not have made, but because we did make it, it put us in a position for God to say, okay, I think I can trust you with more. I think there's a principle that obedience um, is preparation for, for blessing, and, and that when you do that, when you move forward in that way, there's something powerful that God does. It's been cool to watch and to see how God is allowing the church to continue to grow. I think as we've um, been able to trust God and move forward with some different things, especially uh, the changes that we've made in Auditorium 2 and some of the expansions that we've done, particularly in our youth and especially in our kids area, those have opened up opportunities for us to continue to grow. And it's been exciting to see how people have been coming to Calvary and, and really experiencing life change. It's, it's awesome to see that God's bringing people and, and see that growth and people are hungry. People just want something different in their life now. God's becoming more important in there, and so more and more people are looking for that. Uh, I remember going to Auditorium One and seeing so many people show up and always seeing people come in and then have to leave. I'm not going anywhere, so I thought, let me be one less seat filled for those people that are new or looking for a connection. It was right around that time, maybe like six months or so, uh, where Calvary implemented the live worship in the um, auditorium too, and that kind of sealed the deal for me. Uh, Cindy and I started to host there and then have having live worship in there. Uh, at first it was kind of a small community, now we had to buy more chairs and uh, there were some Sundays early this year that we were at uh, close to 80% capacity in that room. I, I love getting to be a part of Auditorium 2 and I love the fact that when I, when I turn around and I just glance up uh, at the seats, we're packed out in there and, and I just am excited about the potential that exists um, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that Auditorium 2 gets to meet a need for the church so that we can continue to grow even more. It's starting to really fill up on a regular basis in Auditorium 2. You know, I continue to believe that God's gonna continue to bring more people and we're gonna to continue to see more growth of that and maybe get to the point where we're running out of seats and it's fun to think about that, but also 
Like, okay, what are we gonna do with that if that happens? We have had some of the highest attended Sundays ever in the history of our church that have happened over the course of the last year. And we continue to see that. And what's exciting about that is that people are coming, they're inviting their friends, they're experiencing life change through Jesus Christ and what God's doing here at Calvary. One of the things that we've seen, and especially in 2019, is that God continues to entrust to us more influence. He continues to give us the opportunity to reach more people. And one of the things that we have to realize is at some point, the facility can become a lid that will keep us from reaching more people. And good stewardship requires that we consider what God has given to us and see are there ways that we can take further steps of faith to be able to be in a place where we can be good stewards of that influence and continue to reach more people. Can we thank God for the good work that he does in and through his people? Praise God. Thank you, Calvary, for your faithfulness and being a part of how God is using the church in so many different ways and just a good opportunity for us um, to remember and to see that and to give him praise. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 29. Matt's not here today, but I want to thank Matt Hammett for a good word last week. Absolutely. And uh, we're so honored to have had him with us. And I hope you've been a part of the 40 days of prayer, uh, part of this initiative, and been reading through this, the scriptures with us and had one of those journals. This is our last week of doing that together. Tomorrow we'll finish up the book of Ephesians. And then we're going to read through the book of Philippians together this week, those four chapters. Powerful letter from the Apostle Paul, and it talks to us about joy, talks to us about strength, talks to us about God's purpose in our lives, and are excited about that. We are uh, in the last week of our Life Change Initiative, and uh, so two big things. This Wednesday night, and this is a bit of a change, so I hope you'll make a note of this. This Wednesday night, we're going to do something special. It was, it's kind of unplanned, but we're throwing this in there. We're going to have a night of worship and prayer together. We want to wrap up this initiative by focusing on and giving praise to God. So this Wednesday night, we're going to focus on a really special time of worship together. So I hope you'll be here 7 o'clock. You do not want to miss it. And then next Sunday we'll be, and we'll talk about this here in just a moment as we bring this initiative to a close for the last few weeks. And, and next week, we'll get back to the, the tree. You know that tree I was drawing? Have you, have you missed my artistry? Have, have you lied in the last 30 seconds? <laughs> so next week, we'll get back to the, we'll get back and wrap up the, the roots on the tree. Today, we're talking about vision. We want to show you, if, if you're uh, new to Calvary or haven't with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about the fact that as Calvary's leadership, we believe that God is leading us to add an addition onto this building to expand our facility, to have a new auditorium that will seat about 1,400 people. We'll talk about this a little bit more today to reach more people. In fact, we'll show you some of the animations even now. We'll put those up on the screen while I'm talking here, give you some insight into what the auditorium will look like, what the expanded atrium will look like. And we've been talking about these things, but here's the deal. You can, you can do a lot of just talking, can't you? And at some point you have to go, how do I make vision reality. One of the things that our architects did with these, these drawings that you've seen is they were able to put them into like a virtual reality thing where you can put the goggles on. Anybody seen or used any of these VR tools, this virtual reality stuff? Anybody? Raise your hand because I need help. <laughs> I don't, don't necessarily know exactly if I've got it, got it right, but you, you know, you, this, this deal, I put my phone in there and I set it up and then I, I look in here 
you put the strap on, but then I messed my hair up and I'm pretty, pretty vain on Sundays. So, um, so, so you just, and then you look in this and you like, you turn around and wherever you go, you, you see it. It's super cool. Like you can look up and count ceiling tiles. You can down and see the carpet. You can check out the seats and you, you feel like you're in the place and it's really cool. And you can get a real glimpse of what the vision is all about. But at some point, you got to take the goggles off and say, how does the vision become the reality? True? Like this, this is true in our lives in every way, spiritually, personally, relationally. It's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to say, how do we make that vision become a reality? Like what steps do we take? There, there are a few passages in scripture where this is so clear, where you see God's people come to kind of this precipice moment where they have to say, we're gonna cross a line here and what we believe God has given us as a vision, we're gonna take a step to make it a reality. That's why, that's why I love that, that history video that we looked at today because it showed over and over again from Facet to Oak to Glendale to Glendale to Conant Street, moments where, where God's people here at Calvary had to say, it's time to take a step to help vision become reality. And, and if, if we're writing a story of God's church, Calvary Church, then I believe we're, we're at a place where we're about to turn a page into a new chapter. And what's it going to take for vision to become a reality? We, we see one of those stories in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This is, this is one of those vision to reality moments. It's a time when King David is standing before the people. God has put in his heart that he is to collect the resources so that when his son Solomon is king, they'll be able to build a temple, a, a house for God in Jerusalem. They're building, if you will, a sanctuary for him. And in this moment, there's this time when David says, look, we're crossing a line from just talking about this to doing it. We're crossing a line from, from saying it to putting our money where our mouth is and saying, God, how would you lead us into this? And it forces us to ask the question, how does vision become a reality? If I have a vision in my life, how does that vision become a reality? Now look, as we talk about these things today, you're probably gonna hear us apply it in the context of this church. But I think these same principles are very true in your life. And some of you feel like God has put a vision in your heart. You're saying, how do I make that a reality? So some of you are in a place where you feel like maybe you have no, no future, or you have no hope, or you're not sure what the next steps are. There's some really good key things that we're gonna see King David say here today that I think can apply to our lives. I know they can apply to our church. How does vision become a reality? I really think it's two things. And as we look at this passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, you're just gonna see two very simple things. How does vision become a reality? Let me share them with you. Here's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but this is where we're going. Two simple things. Number one, God does his part, and number two, we must do our part. How does vision become a reality? It's pretty simple. <laughs> number one, God does his part. Number two, we must do our part. So let's jump into this. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. We're, we're gonna start with number one, how God does his part. Let's start there and see how does vision become a reality. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. We read where King David says this. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, the Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. 
For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Did you see what David did here? They are at a moment where they are about to go from vision to taking steps towards reality, and he recognizes this. He says, God, we can't do it unless you do your part. Has anybody learned that to be true? Three of us. I have come to a point in my life where I've realized that multiple times I've tried to do things on my own strength, and I've tried to do things in my own way, and they end up being fumbles and failures. Anybody else? And I've had to learn, God, I don't want to do it without you. If vision is going to become a reality, it has to start with this. God, you do your part. Lord, help me to be a part of what you're doing. When I read this passage, three things kind of stood out to me about what David says about God. I want to show them to you real quick. The first one is this, is that God is faithful. Anybody found that to be true? That God is faithful. He says, you are the God of our father Israel. He's not making a geographic reference there. He's not talking about the country of Israel. He's talking about the Old Testament person whose name was Israel, or sometimes we call him Jacob. He was known as the, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he's saying, look, all the way back to our, to our ancestor Jacob, Israel, God, we know you've been faithful in the past, and you're faithful from everlasting to everlasting. So you weren't just faithful in the past, God. You're, you're going to be faithful in the future. The truth is God is faithful, true? Man, I loved seeing that video about our history because we, we showed you some of the high points, right? The way that through, through bold moves of faith and God's coming alongside and giving favor and provision, God has blessed Calvary over the years in such remarkable ways. But can I tell you, there's been a lot of tough times too. Like on our little uh, Toledo tour, we didn't talk about all the tough things that the church has been through. We, we didn't talk about the financial crisis season we didn't talk about the moral failure season. We didn't talk about the church division season. But we had them. Anybody ever gone through tough times? And have you realized that it might not feel like it in the tough time? But you get on the other side of it and you go, God, you're so faithful. Even in the tough times, even in the difficult times, we know that God is faithful. And I just, as I was, was putting this message together, I just felt so strongly that I don't want to just brush over that, that somebody needs to hear today that God is faithful even in the tough times. Like, it's, it's fun to say it here today because we, we were looking at the future as a church, and we see exciting things in the way that God's directing and providing, and it's good to say God is faithful. But what if you're in a tough, tough time, or a tough time, if you will, what if you're in a time where you're feeling rejected or alone? I, I read an interesting article this week. It, it, it was, uh, came to me by way of an email, and it was uh, about Valentine's Day. And it was saying how Valentine's Day has always been celebrated kind of in our country with these little cards that you send to people. And if you love someone, you would send them a, a, a nice little Valentine that says you love them. But back in the 1840s, there started a little trend called Vinegar Valentines. Anybody ever heard of this? where you would send not a note to someone that you loved, but to someone that you didn't. That you would like send a note, like if there was someone who was interested in you, but you weren't interested in them, then you could send them one of these vinegar valentines. Isn't that a great idea? <laughs> it's mean, isn't it? It gets worse. Like when you would send it, you would send it anonymously. 
So like somebody would get this postcard in the mail that was just kind of mean or rude and not know where it came from. And then it got even better. And we're talking the 1800s, right? When the, when the postman would bring it to your house, you would have to pay the postage on it. It didn't come postage paid. And there were these cute little cards. Here's, let me read a couple of them to you. This one, this one uh, is the first one. It says, you asked to see me home, kind sir. I thank you, but decline. One bow is quite enough for me. I'm satisfied with mine. You need not sit upon the fence to see me going by. I cannot give you such a chance. There now, dear me, don't cry. Isn't that sweet? That's mean. It gets worse. Look at this next one. I like this next one. This next one, you can see by the picture there. I'm not attracted by your glitter, for well I know how very bitter. My life would be if I should take you for my spouse, a rattlesnake. Oh no, I'd not accept the ring, or evermore, t'would prove a sting. Well, that's a sweet thing to get in the mail, isn't it? And I thought, man, that's mean to send those, and kind of cowardly and cold that you'd, you'd send them anonymously, and then they'd have to pay for them. And then I thought, how many of you woke up one day this week and felt rejected or alone? or betrayed, or out there, or frustrated, or disappointed, and looked at the place your life was, maybe in a long-term view, maybe in a short-term view, maybe just something that's happened, or you just said, I didn't think it was gonna be this way. And there's these hard moments that come our way. And can I tell you, this church has known hard times, but we've seen God's faithful. And David had seen some hard times, but he knew God was faithful. And can I tell you that even in your hard time, we serve a God who is faithful, amen? And you can put your trust and you can put your confidence in him because God is faithful. You say, Chad, well, how can you say that? Because I also know that God is powerful. And you see this in this passage. Not only is God faithful, but God is powerful. Listen to the words that David uses to describe God. He uses greatness, power, majesty, glory, splendor, strength. He says, God, you are strong and that you give strength to all. Our vision as a church, what we've called this, even this whole series and this initiative, is that it's about life change because we believe that God has the power to change our lives. John 10, 10 says that there's a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that you may have, anybody? <laughs> life and that you have it very mediocrely. Did he say that? No, he says that you have it to the full because he has the power to change our lives. Look, as a church, our vision is life change. And we believe this, our vision is life change for others. We believe that when people have an encounter with Jesus Christ, it changes them. And though, I love what Sandy shared in that video when she said, the change that's happened in my life, I want to share with other people. There's something inside of me that wants to help them to experience that same thing because God comes and changes us. And look, I know this, this might be true, that you're, you're sitting there, you're here in Auditorium 1, you're in Auditorium 2, you're watching this on a screen somewhere, you're hearing this, and you're saying to yourself, as you saw those stories, I want that kind of change in my life. I need Jesus to set me free. I need to find hope in him. Look, I love how Nellie expressed this, that you don't have to get your life straight yet. Jesus has already paid the price for you to receive forgiveness. And if you come to him and simply say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness, he becomes your savior. If you acknowledge that he's the one that gives your life purpose and meaning, you can ask him to be your Lord. 
And for some of you, before you walk out of this room or before this message ends, what you need to do today is from your heart, just stop and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Today, I wanna start over. Today, I need something new. See, we believe that God is powerful and that he can change our lives and you're in a room full of people who can affirm that, amen? But not only is this initiative about life change for others, I believe this is about life change for you. That's, that's why we've been doing the 40 days of prayer and going through the scripture reading. Because for many of us, we've had God's word change our lives. I've been, um, am I allowed to use the word tickled? Can I use that word, tickled? Can you say that in a sermon? Okay, I've been tickled. When many of you have come up to me and just said, man, reading the Bible through uh, this, this SOAP method, through these 40 days of prayer, has changed the way I see God's word because God's word has the power to change our lives. There's gonna be steps that you may take through this process that could transform your relationship with God because God is faithful, God is powerful. Let me show you one other thing real quick, what David says. He says that God is the source. He says everything we have comes from God. Everything that there is comes from him. He's the creator, and so we put our trust and our confidence in him. So, so what that leads us to say then is, is how does vision become a reality? Well, the first thing is God will do his part. The second thing then, though, if we want to see vision become a reality, number two, we must do our part. See, oftentimes I think that's where vision in our lives gets stuck because we keep waiting for God to do it all when God's saying, hey, it's time for you to take a step. So what do you do? How do we do our part? Go back to David. Listen to what he said. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. Two things I want you to see here. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. and We've given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. There's two things that I see come out in David's, in David's words there that are so key if you want to see vision become a reality in your life. The first one is this. If you're going to do your part, you might not see this one coming, but if, if you're going to see vision become a reality in your life, start here. Be humble. If you want to see God work out his plan in your life, don't, don't start with enthusiasm. Don't start with zeal. Don't start with confidence. Start with humility. David's words, he says, God, who, who are we that you would choose to use us? God, who am I that you would love me enough that you'd die for me? Jesus, how is it that you could see a hope and purpose for my life? Because with that humility to recognize that everything we have comes from God, opens you up to be in a place then when God, well, here's what James says. James chapter four, verse 10. James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's something key that's there. If you want to see vision become a reality in your life, it doesn't start with you and your energy and your hard work. It starts not only with God doing his part, but you recognizing that you can't do it without him. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know if it's the, the guy in me or the Gilligan in me or the pride in me, but if there's something that needs done, I usually just go, don't worry about it, I can do it. And I have a hard time accepting help with things sometimes. Anybody else? I got this. There's four honest people in the room. 
I got this, five. Okay, thank you, brother. <laughs> I see that hand. Okay, yeah, let's look. And here's the deal. What I've found is as much as I think I can carry that heavy thing, I can do that by myself, I'm so much better off if I'm willing to accept the help that might come my way. To humble myself and say, God, I, I need your help. So David says, look, if you want to see vision become a reality, he, he, says, he says, first, be humble, and then he says this, be generous. But you have to be willing to say, God, if everything is yours, and you've entrusted some of that to me, then as a good steward, I recognize that I'm going to give that back to you. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Over the course of these last few weeks in services and information meetings, We've talked about the project that's ahead for us. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it here in just a few moments. We believe as leadership that Calvary is in a season where God is leading us to expand our facility so that we can have a new larger auditorium where we can welcome more people to come and be a part of what God is doing at Calvary. And, and I thank you for your patience because we've, we've talked about this. You know, I know for some of us it's uncomfortable to talk about money in church, but the reality is that without money, ministry doesn't happen, True. And so it's an important thing. The scripture talks about it. So I, I just want to talk to you about what the scripture says. And Calvary's leadership is asking that everyone who calls Calvary their church home will make a sacrificially generous pledge for the next two years. We'll, we'll start this next Sunday. In fact, we'll ask you to, to as, as you pray about what God would have you to give us a pledge, that next Sunday we're going to take kind of a vision offering. And we're asking you to say, God, what's the best that I can give next week towards this endeavor so that you can use the resources that you've entrusted to me to bless the church to be able to move forward in this season so that we can reach more people? And, and sometimes you go, well, how do I know what to give? And whenever we talk about this, I know my job is not to manipulate anybody. My job is just to encourage you to follow a biblical principle. We, we actually refer to this. You've never heard me talk about this before, but it's called the plow principle. Brand new, right? <laughs> We've talked about it a lot lately. The plow principle, P-L-O-W. And I want to come back to it again real quick because I just some of you maybe haven't heard us talk about this or you say, I'm not sure how to move forward. Or maybe it's, it's good because you haven't taken a, a step yet to say, God, how do you help me in this? So the, pl the plow principle, the letter P in plow stands for pray. And we ask that the first step that you would take is to pray and say, God, what would you have for me? This, this is a good principle in any decision in life, but especially in giving. God, what would you have for me to give? Now let me help you with a couple of thoughts here. As you go to pray, let me encourage you to obey God first with your tithe. As you pray about what God would have you to give to this life change initiative, that first you obey God with what we refer to scripturally as the tithe. The tithe, or sometimes you'll hear it called the first fruits, is when God entrusts you with something, or we'll just say money, that you take the first 10% of that and that you give it back to God as an act of worship. And we believe that the, the, the normal channel of that scripturally is to give that to the local church, the storehouse, where you find kind of your spiritual nourishment. And for many of us, uh, our, our own research here at Calvary says about 24% of the people who call Calvary their church home follow this biblical practice. And part of that is that's how the church is funded. That's how ministry happens. But even over and above that, 
When God talks about the tithe, he talks about with language of blessing and cursing. So when I talk about it, I don't talk about it so the church gets money. I talk about it so that you are being obedient to what God has asked you to do and to follow that principle because there's blessing that comes when we choose to do that and to follow him. So before you would even pray about what you might give to this initiative, I hope you'll first pray and say, God, would you help me? In fact, God even says, try me, test me, see if this thing works. See if I don't bless you. Would you pray and say, God, help me to be obedient in this area of tithing in my life? And you might go, 10%, I'm thinking about how much money that is. That's a lot, Chad. Isn't that a lot of money? And I would say, yes, it's a lot of money. But here's what I've found, and maybe help me out if you've seen the same thing. I've found that God can do more with 90% in my life than I can do with my own 100% in my life. Anybody else? God has a way of blessing that. So if you want to see some life change in your life, start being obedient in that area and watch what God does. I would also challenge you this, not only to obey God first with your tithe, but that you commit yourself to missions. Like if you're already committed and giving, uh, Leah even talked in that video about how we, we partner with hundreds of missionaries and, and, and come alongside of them and resourcing people to take the gospel. If you're already giving in that way, don't stop doing that. Continue to give in that way. We don't want you to say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what I give to missions and just shift it over to this life change initiative for a couple of years because there's too many lost people in places all over the world, true? So here's what I would encourage you to do, that when you pray, you say, God, what, what would you have for us to do? What, what should we do? And, and maybe you look in the natural and you go, okay, this is our budget and these are our financial obligations and this is what our income looks like. And be able to kind of go, God, what would make sense for us to pledge for the next two years that we'll give towards this initiative. But can I ask you to pray a little bit of a different prayer? That you would pray for what he can do and not just what we can do. That you would say, God, what is it that you want to do through me? What is it that you want to do through us? And not just, God, what can we do? Because those are two very different things, aren't they? So, So first, the letter P is that you pray. The letter L, then, is that you listen that's, that's where I usually kind of miss a step. I'm, I'm quick to tell God what I need. I don't always take the time to hear what he has to say. Anybody else? And so you pray and then you listen. For some of you that maybe you're, you're growing in your faith in Jesus Christ, this life change initiative may be one of the first and, and even safest times for you to say, God, I want to hear what you have to say so I can respond to that. When Ron and I had been married, probably about a year or so, we, we were active in a part of a church in Springfield, Missouri, and the church was really growing. We were in, we were in college full-time, we were working jobs full-time, and uh, we'd only been married about a year. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We were kind of just living on love, and, and that was, you know, that kind of, hey, baby. Um, you know, that's that kind of, that season of our lives, and, and the, the church was growing, and um, they were doing an initiative similar to this to, to build a new auditorium, a new sanctuary. And I remember we were in the service where they were going to take the pledges, right? And we were sitting there, and we'd gotten there a little bit late and was sitting in the, it, towards the back, and, and that was not an endorsement of being late because I've since repented of that, and God's changed my heart. But we were, we were sitting in the back. I remember the, the pastor said, you have these pledge cards, and, and you've, you've prayed about this, but before you, you fill these out and, and, and hand them in tonight, we were going to, you know, we were going to, Submit them to the Lord and commit to, to this pledge to, to ask God to work through us for the next year or whatever it was. I, I remember we were sitting there and he said, hey, just before we, we do this, would you just stop and pray? 
and say, God, I want to listen and hear what you have to say. Well, Ron and I, we looked at our budget, we looked at our obligations, we looked at our income, we came up with the number we thought we could do. We didn't have much resource. And I remember we were sitting there and we're praying. And as I was, you know, kind of saying, God, what, what would you have for us to do? We believe it's this number. I felt like the Lord put in my spirit a whole different number, a big out of reach number that didn't make much sense. And I thought, man, I kind of feel like this is what God wants, but it seems, it seems to not make sense. But I leaned over and I said to Rhonda, hey, I, I feel like maybe God wants us to pledge this instead. Sure that she was going to go, well, we don't have that kind of money. And instead, she leaned over and said, I was just sensing the same thing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we put that on our card. We turned it in, knowing there's no way in the natural that we could do it. But over the course of that next year, the, the, the job that I worked, the, the owner changed hands, and as a result, I, I entered into a higher place of leadership in that company. And then over the course of that next year, I received four salary increases. So that by the time the end of that year came, that pledge that we made was not even a stretch for us to get to. What's the lesson in that? The lesson is, if you make a really big pledge next week, you're going to get four raises in the next 12 months. (laughs) That's not the lesson. I'm not going to make that promise. I'm not a televangelist. Oh, did I say that out loud? Did I just say that out loud? Was that in my head or did I say that? No, I said it. But it's not the lesson. Do you know what the lesson is? The lesson is when you listen and take steps of faith, God doesn't leave you hanging out there. He comes alongside of you. So the, the P stands for pray. The L stands for listen. The O stands for obey. When we say, God, if this is what you're asking me to do, then I'll do it. Now, you might go, okay, well, if God asks me to give in a certain way, but I don't know where that resource is going to come from, then where's that resource going to come from? How, how do we give that? Like, where, where does it come from? The letter O is obey. And if you're going to obey, then where does that resource come from? Well, let me give you a couple of things. One, we give naturally, right? We look at the, the nature of things. We look at what makes sense, and we give naturally. We, we look at our budget. We look at our income, like we've talked about. We say, okay, this makes sense. This is what I'll give. Sometimes we give sacrificially. Sometimes God puts something in our heart, and we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up in some way. Maybe it's a practice, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a possession of some kind, and you say, God, I'm going to sacrificially give this. You see that model in Scripture over and over again. And then sometimes we give creatively. You you see a practice of this. There's another one of these moments in Exodus 35 where where you see that the people of God are at a place where God is saying, hey, it's time to go from vision to reality to take that step of faith as you move forward. And one of the things that you see is that the people begin to give creatively. Now, if you go out to our website, there's a, there's a link on the Life Change Initiative page that says creative ways to give. And it talks about different ways, even with your possessions, with, with your savings, sometimes with your investments, that you're able to, to give in a certain way back towards an initiative like this. But the other thing I want to talk about is, and this is what you see in Exodus 35, sometimes we talk about giving our treasure, but other times we talk about how God would have us give our time and talent. Like, what's the gift that you have that could somehow maybe generate something for the kingdom? I'll put myself out here because this is something that I feel like God has put in my heart. For about 20 years, probably more than that, I've, I've had a, a desire in my mind where I've said over and over again, someday I'm going to write a book. Some, someday I'm going to write a book, which is fun to say as long as it's someday in front of it, right? 
because there's no, there's no accountability to someday. Someday I'm going to do it. And I've always thought I'd write it, but nobody would read it. My grandkids would probably take it, and if the bed was wobbly, they'd put it under one of the legs and go, look, kids, there's Grandpa's book. You know, that would be how it would get used. <laughs> and yet I feel like God's put in my heart, sometime in these next two years, I'm supposed to do that and pray and believe that a, that a resource like that might generate some revenue, and whatever income it brings in is going to go right to this campaign because that's something that I can uniquely do that's not going to take anything away from my income but I can do that, and then God can use that resource to move his kingdom forward. Does that make sense? So maybe for some of you, you'll, you'll pick up giving some music lessons, or maybe you'll, you'll cut some lawns, or maybe some of you are really good at, at buying certain things and then selling them again to make some money. There's something that, that maybe you have as a, as a talent or in your time that you can do that God is going to stir in you and say, hey, I want you to do something new for me that then is also going to be a blessing to the kingdom. So the plow principle is this. We pray and then we listen, and then we obey, and the letter W is we watch. The letter W is, is we watch, and we see what God will do. Somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, I like your plow thing, but W shouldn't be watch and see what God will do. W should be, wow, watch what God does. Wow. Somebody else said, Pastor, I like your, I like your plow thing you keep talking about over and over again, but I like it. But W shouldn't be watch, it should be worship. Because when you see what God does, you step back and you just worship him for who he is. I was like, those things are good. They remind me about when, when, when we were in a process like this in 2011, we were in an initiative just like this. We were on Glendale and we were raising the funds to be able to renovate this facility. We called it our By Faith Initiative. And when we were doing that, God again put a number, we did the same thing again, right? We looked at our budget, and we looked at our obligations, and we looked at different things, and we felt like God put a number in our heart that honestly didn't make much sense, but that was our pledge. So we made that pledge, and we got through about the first, it was a two-year initiative, we got through the first year, we were doing what we could in the natural, and we were getting into the second year, and I remember I was looking at it, and I was like, there's no way we're gonna, I don't, there's no way we're gonna do what we pledged. It's not good when the pastor drops the ball, Right? <laughs> And then literally out of nowhere, a place that we never would have imagined, God brought our way a $9,000 miracle. And that money was able to go through us, not for us, but through us, for God to be able to use for this initiative. And do you know how much we were short in being able to make our pledge? $9,000. Because God knew just how to provide. He says, look, if you'll take that step of faith, I'll find a way to provide for you in that so the W is, is watch and wow and worship. So I guess we need to change it up and start talking about the plow principle, right? <laughs> it's a little bit different now. So you got today when you walked in a, a pledge card that looks like this. Did, did you guys get one of these? Yes? All right, cool. I'm just asking that you would take this home. And Calvary's leadership is praying with you. That you would say, God, I'm gonna pray and listen to what you would say that you would have for me to do to be a part of this life change initiative at my church. And then I want to obey and then watch how you wow us and then we'll worship you because you're faithful and you're powerful and you're the source of all things. And we're asking that you would take this and that over this next week that you would pray about these things. If you're not gonna be with us next week, you can, you can make that pledge online.
We're gonna have our vision offering next week where we ask you to bring the best gift that you feel like God has put in your heart to give. Again, if you're not here, you can, you can give that online as well and make that gift. Because God is doing something really special here right now. And I know I sure wanna be a part of it. It was um, really cool to go on that little history tour with Jim a couple weeks ago. And when I sat outside of that building on Facet Street. There's nothing fancy about it. Certainly wasn't then either. Then how these people came together in faith. You saw that faith that they had because they kept making those bold moves over and over and over again. They didn't know who Chad Gilligan was. They had no idea who you were. And yet I believe that they saw you. And they believe that someday God could use the the small thing that they were starting for him to impact Toledo and Northwest Ohio. I'm gonna guess they were crazy enough to even believe that God could use them to bring change to the world. Somehow they had the vision to see you. And God helped to make that a reality. I had a conversation this week with somebody and I could just tell God's stirring in their heart like he's, he's getting them ready now for what he wants to do in their life here in the future. And you don't know them, but as we sit here on this Vision Sunday, I honestly believe that the Lord willing, if he continues to guide us, someday we're gonna sit in a new auditorium. And there's gonna be people who are gonna come walking in there who we don't know, but we're gonna say, we saw you. With our spiritual eyes, we saw you. And we believe that God was gonna do something in your heart before we ever even knew who you were. Because our faithful God is powerful. He wants to bring life change to people because there's too many lost people. And he wants to work through you and me so that people can experience life change through Jesus Christ. One last story video we wanna show you to help us to see that the God who was faithful in the past and who has been powerful in the present has vision for our future as we put our trust in him. If you would please turn your attention to the screens. God uses places. You see that throughout the book of Acts, how God takes his church, which is people, but strategically puts them in places to reach people. If God is continuing to send people our way, We want to be good stewards of that trust from him, that favor from him, and that opportunity from him, and take the steps of faith to be in step with what he's doing. Um, After literally years of kind of preparation and expectation of what God might do, we're launching into a process to build a new auditorium for Calvary Church. So we're looking at to add it onto the the back part of the building here, uh, looking to add on 34,000 square feet. Uh, that will give us an extended lobby. We're gonna pick up another space that will be used for large group meetings. We'll have some backstage space for our worship arts teams, which we, we've never had in this facility and will be very welcome. We're also gonna have a dedicated prayer room that will be attached to the auditorium that's gonna give us a, a location where we're gonna be able to pray with individuals. Uh, inside that auditorium will sit uh, about 1,400 people. I think the number is 1,486 right there. Uh, The floor of the auditorium is going to be about 800 
uh, seats on a, on a flat floor. Because they're portable chairs, we'll be able to have some flexibility in how we set up the room, but also create an altar space that will allow us um, to have a, a location at the front where people can be prayed for, to pray with and for one another. Part of what we have to do as we get bigger is consider how we can feel smaller and how people connect with one another so that when they walk into this room, it's not just coming into a theater experience where you're locked in for yourself and it's Jesus and me, but where you realize you're a part of a larger community and it's Jesus and we. Immediately what this does is continue to allow us to reach more people for God. Uh, you know, it gives us more seats for people to sit in where you don't have to worry about seats at this time. I know that with each extra seat, it gives us an opportunity to invite somebody from our community, from your neighborhood, uh, from your work, from your family, uh, from our projects that we serve at, and in, to invite them into the building, to have a space for them where they can hear the message of hope that they need. And God's doing great things. God is doing that. amazing things. And, you know, pastor's going to have to have somewhere to put these people. It's not about the place. It's about the God in the place. Right. And if God is in the people, that place is going to explode. Although we do not have final estimate, we believe it'll be about a $7 million project for us to move forward with this. As, as much as we want to see this new auditorium with more seats where we can reach more people, at the end of the day, what it's really about is, is people's souls. Even though numbers are important, names are more important than numbers. We have to make sure that our focus is not on how big we get or how many show up on a Sunday. The real measure of whether a church is effective or not really comes down to our people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then growing in that faith. And as a result, it's about changing lives that change the world. I think it, it's just the beginning. You know, there's so much more that Calvary can bring to this community and to the people of Toledo. If it starts with their curiosity, then let's get them here because we will welcome them. And I think that they will see that we might be big, but we're all one and we're like a family. This is about reaching people for Christ. This is about making a difference in the community and seeing people come to know Jesus. And then when they come to know Jesus, then it's about helping them connect with other believers and helping them grow in their faith. And then eventually they're gonna be in a place where they can serve and it, it all works together. Uh, God isn't through with Calvary yet. Well, he isn't through with me yet. And everything that I aspire and desire to do is to be a credible witness for Jesus Christ and to assist Calvary in uh, uh, advancing the gospel of Christ. I just want to. I just want to be on the team. And you know, we're we're building a room where we can seat more people. But I believe it's really more about the people that we can send out, send out from these walls into places that uh, have people who maybe never would step inside of a church. Um, maybe we'll never get to even come to Toledo. And also sending people to heaven. You know, that's that's the goal. We want to reach people for Christ. We we want to reach lost people within our community, outside of our community beyond. We're asking for you to pray and consider how God would have for you to be involved. If each of us will ask the Lord how we can sacrificially give to be a part of this important season in the life of the church, we believe that God will lead us to take some bold steps and see impossible things happen and give us even more opportunity to see lives change for eternity. You know, for almost 70 years, Calvary has been a place where people have been taking bold steps of faith. I think back to those five families in 1951 that started the church and they saw something that today you and I get to be a part of. 
We pray that God will open our spiritual eyes to see something today that is going to impact lives for eternity. Would you please join me in praying that God would lead us to be a part of what he's doing in this church in this season and see lives changed for Jesus Christ. Before we do anything else, would you stand with me today? And I would invite you, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Because we want to praise him, God, more than anything else. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. He's a your faithfulness in the past, in the life of our church, in the lives of our families, in our own lives and experience with you. And God, we remember the way that you change people's lives. And it's with a vision for the future in mind that we put it in your hands. Lord, your word says that man makes plans, but the Lord directs the steps. Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we don't want to do or anything uh, without your presence. And so, Lord, we put all of this in your hands. Lord, as we, as we pray and listen this week, would you speak to us so that we can obey and watch and see the way that you're going to work in each one of our lives. God, we look forward to seeing and worshiping in all that you're going to do through your church to see lost people come to know life change through Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. God, would you send us out with your special favor? And with your wonderful peace, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.